Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Curran. Let's roll. Ooh, a 17. Oh, thank God. that. <laughs> oh, we're not cursed anymore. The spell has been broken. Ah, oh, with so much fear that we're just going to get a cursed, like low levels and then not not beat our death save and then boom, done. Mm-hmm. But luckily, we're things are looking up. It's mm-hmm. looking up. Wash your hands. Keep six feet distance between everybody. We are, we are very responsibly socially distancing <laughs> since we're in, well, Florida and, and Alaska are about as far away as they could possibly be. You just, we got to play it safe. Yes. So we hope all of you listeners are being responsible. We know it's like kind of freaky and scary right now, but, uh, yeah. you know, hey, we still have podcasts. We can be yes, the friends in your ears, as Justin McElroy likes to say. <laughs> <laughs> so we can be close together even when we're six feet apart or more. I will say that's, I think, what's so nice about this. So I don't want to go too long about it, but a few things that I've heard that are really great is write letters Mm -hmm. is awesome. Phone calls. Surprise. Phones work that way, too. (laughs) Um, FaceTime. I know. Like, we have so much technology that will keep us together while we have to be far apart. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it sucks. But we can totally get through it. We we have our own journals of far speech in the oh real my world. God, that's right. so true. Yeah, it's it's nice, and oh. I'm glad we are able to do the show, and we're able to talk to each other, and with all of you, we all want to be here for each other and still mm-hmm. hang out and maintain those relationships. So mm-hmm. thanks for being here with us. Uh-huh. And now let's get to this fucking episode. Oh my god! <laughs> can I just say really quick? Yeah, on the top. How fucking smart is it to do a Gary recap instead of having to mm. go and find all the tiny clips that you oh, need? Oh, it's great. Travis? Yes. You're a damn genius. Yes, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was really good. It was very, very clever. It, and it harkens back to uh, the, the voice at the beginning of Balance. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I don't remember that. <laughs> just the like, voice wow. Griffin would do it. It's it would so be like the deep monster voice. Yes. Genuinely no recollection. <laughs> you're going to listen later and it's going to strike you in the middle of the night like a well-told joke and you're going to be like, oh, no. oh right, that's the voice <laughs> she means. Wait for it. It'll happen. It will happen. I'll wake up screaming and then laughing <laughs> as I often do. It's part for the course. Uh, so I would like to say at the top of this, uh, Travis, I would also like to know if there will be skeletons in this episode, was what I thought <laughs> when Griffin asked about it. You should always expect skeletons. I always hope for skeletons. Yeah, I would say your reaction, and I did write this down, <laughs> brace yourself all the time for skeletons. Nell is delighted. I, like, you are just, just like, oh, hope. really? Like, A skeleton here? Hands to the face. <laughs> Where? In my boudoir? <laughs> Waiting over there in this closet, <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> All the time, you always hope. I'm I'm also excited about uh, the haunted dorm. Oh my god, that is Gosh. the thing I look forward to having. <laughs> Listen, I just it it was good enough that we had a new dorm, and there was no reason for Gary to necessarily tell them it was haunted unless it was truly haunted because that really I, came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just yeah. like Justin said, you cannot lie. You <laughs> right. cannot be the liar here. You have to be real. <laughs> that shit haunted, y'all. I know. And not by just a spectral cat, which did follow them. It loves Argo Probably so much. Box. It was never going to leave him. Yeah. <gasps> what if it's his mom? Aw. Aw. That'd nice. be sweet. Mm-hmm. 
Shabby Cat. <laughs> An adorable name, too. Mm-hmm. Put it up on the murder board. <laughs> Put the cat well, up and, there, and Gary, they're they're Gary has followed them here, too, That's which I, I was pleased by. I, I mean, yeah. I know it didn't matter because they are technically a hive mind, but, but it was still nice Gary. that it was maybe, the same old. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they put like a sticker on that one and you hate to <laughs> yeah. waste a sticker. They put their sweet like skateboarding stickers on him and mm-hmm. their favorite band stickers. Right. My thought was just that they like sharpied eyebrows. On He's definitely something. real maybe like surprised too. looking. His eyebrows are just very big and way up on his forehead. <laughs> That's All very right. Gary. You know what needs to happen now. <laughs> I know what needs to happen now. <laughs> and more good news. Uh, Fitz has learned how to cuss. Oh and he's learned how to love. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear. Just so many oh, things dear. that we learned at the beginning of this one. Well, and the Furbolg is a clairvoyant, apparently. He is. And can suss out ghosts. You guys, they all grew a lot since spring break. Mm-hmm. And even, okay, even the campus grew because yeah. guess what now? Guess what now? What now? Crepe Station 6,000 or just six. I think it was just six, but you know. I think it's just crepe six. Station six. But we got crepes. Which <laughs> that one's got the VR yeah. implemented right in it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. And also, please. So I I okay, I'm requesting two artists creations from this. Uh-huh. One, Gary with the Sharpie eyebrows. <laughs> uh-huh. Two. The whole scene. And I'm sorry, this is gonna take a lot of effort, but the whole scene of Fitz talking to Gary about the crepes and then running just barreling to it with the furbolg. <laughs> following <laughs> barreling like ready to attack anyone and i want people like someone like having to, walking towards it sees him dives out of the way <laughs> just a real quick and he's spin out exactly beautiful i see i don't think that the fear bulb was actually interested in the crepes mm. i think he just assumed if fitz was running that he ought to go after him. i agree yeah i was along the same lines and pictured it almost like him being like oh my friend is excited i am also excited let's go Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah. things get real cute in this one. I, mm, mm, at least I think just so. Pitching <laughs> cheeks. Uh, so <laughs> guess who else is here at breakfast? Buckminster. Oh. And we do know that Fitz has not informed the other two just yet mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. what he learned that, of course, Buckminster has some sort of spell or um, influence over him. I'm proud of him holding things close to the chest. I feel like I would have told everybody, or at least mm. my two not quite colleagues, co not coworkers, defo friends, subservients. Yeah, what are they to him? I mean, they're Workers? comrades, comrades sidekicks, friends, potential but lovers. Him. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I'm with you, and I feel like part of the reason could be that that shift that we saw in Fitz in the last mm-hmm. time that when he was suddenly at a loss. For what to say to Buckminster after after this realization. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see him being very scared. I think he's made the right call. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I agree with him that he, he this is clearly some kind of pretty powerful uh-huh. magic. And he doesn't know. It's not even a question of who you trust, right? right? It's a question of who's been affected or could be affected in the future. That's exactly it. And of course, mm-hmm. they touch more on this in his discussion with uh, the fear bulb. And I really like how they handled it. For mm-hmm. right now, we see the fear bulb get real close to what Fitz knows. And I love the successful role that Griff does to kind of motion to the fear bulb mm-hmm. and silently oh, tell him, don't, don't go again, any further. This is, 
mm, this, this mm, is that stuff. This is that D&D shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Buckminster also asks them, like, they're actually having a conversation here in the course of all of this, like, weird kind of multi-level espionage going yeah. on. Um, he asks them how the, the mission with the imps went. Yeah. And um, I love the idea of them describing, like, well, okay, so I almost died. <laughs> and him just being like, oh, yeah, well, your your blood was out. <laughs> Like, you know, you know that this kid, he was raised wealthy and he has been told all kinds of medical oh, nonsense I that he that. just believes wholeheartedly. Yeah, that's the perfect explanation. <laughs> okay, I, um, this is going to be a little sad, but oh, no. this is what I assume. Okay. So I assume he went to Hieronymus and was being like so vulnerable. I mean, like, you know, Leon's gone. I don't know where he went. And like, you know, really like opening himself up to this person mm-hmm. who he should trust yeah, and then gets mentor. mind fucked. Mm-hmm. And and I just made myself so sad. There's like, oh, there's a couple sad moments in this one too. As much as it's cute, it also there were moments that my my cold dead heart was like, "Oh, I feel something." <laughs> mm-hmm. There was like that weird thumb. There was like, like what a was what? That? Oh, it beat for the first time in so long. <laughs> Well, and I think that that's exactly where we are with a bunch of this right now, mm-hmm. because also they discuss the hawk that just had this brooch mm-hmm. that Fitz is wearing that, oh, looks exactly like one that Buckminster gave to Leon. So I'm like, did mm-hmm. Leon anamorph into a hawk? Did he Tobias it out? Now, and see, like, this is the conversation, exactly right? See, we talked about the dog. We, I said that <laughs> oh, I was yeah. suspicious that the dog used to be a person. Oh, my God. And now there's a hawk that mm-hmm. maybe used to be a person or at least knows where Leon is. But it makes more sense it is Leon. Yeah. Literally wrote, was Leon turned into a bird? Anamorphs that shit. Thank you, Nell. Absolutely. Sisters. It's totally sisters. <laughs> he is now Tobias. I forget. I'm sure somebody turned into a dog. Uh, sounds like something Jake would do. I don't know. But I think Jake was a golden retriever. That's the dog I had in my mind. So we must be correct. <laughs> There's somebody <laughs> shouting at us right now. They hate it like, so no, much it that was we Rachel. got this wrong. We're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, there's some anamorphing going on. Possibly. <laughs> we've decided Possibly. put put a blue glowing box underneath the picture of the hawk <laughs> who was holding a brooch on the murder board that was winking don't forget there was a wink did the hawk wink i think we said it did but i can no longer it's, remember yeah, I think what we, we said, did. I, 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 said. I, I do not think that was canon in the show but i don't recall it definitely sounds like something we would say <laughs> yeah i think it does <laughs> Check the wiki on the wink. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on, I want to talk about the this brief character moment that we get with the Fearbulg, where they're talking about the ambition. Yeah. They're kind of like, yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, I almost died. He kind of gets but heavy. But it was cool. And he gets heavy. He brings the mood down because he's able to sort of see both sides of the situation. And he doesn't think that, you know... It was cool or righteous no, or yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to, to smash these guys. He doesn't He doesn't see them as inherently evil. Or even if he does, he doesn't take pleasure in having killed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a wildly different take than um, the last time Justin mm-hmm. was playing Dungeons and Dragons. But I really <laughs> like that. I, I think that yeah, that speaks yeah. a lot to the Fearbulg. And the fact that he tells it to Buckminster and he tells it to Rainier when she shows up. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated question. I mean, because they don't really even know exactly if they killed these creatures because it's not really clear if they were alive. Right. Because, you know, it's it's sort of it's coming from this spell. It's complicated. The ethics of this are complicated. They absolutely are. And I feel like even as I was listening to Mission Impossible, that like in my mind, it was almost like you 
like they weren't being killed as much as they were almost like just being sent back into whatever dimension they yeah came from. right yeah, like they were just being borrowing space mm-hmm. yeah yeah but like they um, still exist somewhere they're just not here anymore right yeah which i mean There's maybe kind of... that's death oh mm. now we're heavy <laughs> <laughs> It's it's all we're not really sure. We do know there are other dimensions that creatures can mm-hmm. exist in who are problematic when they're in their universe. Absolutely. So it is possible. Yeah. That, yeah, it is possible that they they didn't exactly kill them. They just destroyed some extension of their consciousness from some other realm that was magically summoned there. We don't really know. Could be very complicated. It could be. But the point being, you know, like this character He's not, he's, this is going to be, I don't want to say an issue in the future, but this is going to be a question in the future that he doesn't see these questions as simplistically, even though he, on the surface, right. seems like a really simplistic character. Yeah. Uh, he has really complicated ideas of sort of what you owe other living creatures that could be a problem or at least an issue in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of depth to our dear Fearbog. Well, it's funny because it seems almost like you don't really know if Justin was playing that with depth or with levity in that, you know, you there is no time to tell the difference. Like, you know, right. you just yeah. slaughter them all, which is terrible, but also like, wow, like that's real wartime shit. So, yeah. What do you do? War never changes, he says, staring mm. at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> See it again. Is that funny? Is it right? Oh, God. I laughed. Am I a terrible person? Yes, we know this. (laughs) We all are. Well, they they did decide... I mean, these these all these creatures have have sprung have sprung from Travis's brain, and you know, so they're not. It's okay. They're fictional. It's, <laughs> it's okay. all right. It's all right. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> but it's good to have some depth in your in your Dungeons and Dragons battles, so it's not just you know yeah. smash mm-hmm. smash. It makes you think. You know what else makes you think? Hieronymus <laughs> is the one welcoming everybody back, and really encourages students to you know don't get distracted. Don't pay attention mm-hmm. to the weird stuff that's happening. Just keep keep he studying. D- that's true. Nose in books. Eyes on your own paper. Hieronymus. It only come to my office if you want to get brainwashed. Right. Thank you so much. <laughs> but that also on. you're welcome no one's anytime. Really attention by the end. Yeah, he really is continuing to paint a uh, suspicious picture mm-hmm. of himself. Mm-hmm. Hieronymus, I don't trust you. But you know what else? It's tough, though, because even in this introduction of Althea and the fact that like he's not psyched about it this is where I'm constantly like I don't want to trust any of these people because now it's Mm -hmm. like he doesn't want Althea here she's from the hog Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of like in HP when they send in the ministry and Uh like fucking Umbridge shows up to the school and you're like well Dumbledore didn't want her there you know so it's Uh like is she here to help I don't know is Hieronymus here to hurt I don't know right yeah don't know And just like in HP, don't love anyone. Love no one, trust nothing. <laughs> don't pet cats you don't know. Those are the lessons you learn. Well, we really don't know who to trust because we don't trust Hieronymus. We're not sure no. about the Althea song because no. we really don't know anything about her. But it could go either way or in the middle, which can be just as dangerous. Mm-hmm. But we find out in the very next scene Higglemas is definitely the one who is casting spells on our poor fear bulk. Like, we knew it, but to have it totally confirmed. Yeah. Well, mm. it, yeah. it seemed weird to me the way that Trav played this whole moment. It was, like, very mm. fast and loose, right? Uh-huh. Like, the whole, let's mm. start with Argo. Oh, wait, no, let's start with Furbolg. And I'm like, wait, what? And then he just, and boom, 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 and now you're asleep under a tree. I was uh-huh. like, wait. To me, I don't know if it's 
part of the plan. But yeah, part of me was like, oh, wouldn't it have been fun to have played that along with Justin hmm. and have him be like, oh, and then I go into the room and then have Travel Sun be like, and now you wake up under a tree. Like, ooh, wouldn't that be neat? Hmm. I mean, I guess uh, that decision was probably on the basis of you know, well, I was going to say that Justin doesn't know more about this than we do, which is true. But mm-hmm. neither does the fear bulk. So they could have yeah. done that as a scene. Right. But I, I don't know if it would have. Yeah. I don't know if it would have um, if it would have enriched anything dramatically or not. Uh, I don't know. It's like it's Maybe one of those not. things where I think there are these moments that as listeners um, or readers or however you're encountering fiction, I think there's always some moment that you're like. Oh man, I really want to like click the enhance button on the computer, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and make this make this moment bigger. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if our instinct to do that is always the same as the person who's telling the story, right? Certainly. For different reasons, but yeah, I no, I I don't I don't disagree with you. Like I I think I also was like, whoa, okay, this is a this is kind of a relatively big information drop of yeah, confirming so this thing. But I'm sure that we will see more from this in the future, uh, especially based on some things that happen later. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it was just a question of like, we need to do this briefly to confirm that this is still going on, you know, in the continuity of the story, but this isn't the right time to have this conversation. Maybe, Maybe. Well, and what Mm -hmm. I'll say from the D&D standpoint is you never know what's happening with the notes under the table. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're sitting around a table and everyone's there, there's often a few hand like note handing and like, you know this, but nobody else does. This is what you're doing, but you don't know why. Like, and so so the other players don't have it. A bunch of kids in math class passing Absolutely. <laughs> and one person getting really upset that they don't get any notes. And they feel well, very unpopular. That would be very upsetting. And I'm <laughs> sorry for that. Person. It is upsetting. I'm not upset. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's not a big deal. So obviously, Fearball got passed a note. And now he is sleeping under mm. a tree. <laughs> We all do from time to time. As it happens, as it happens, I'm right, I'm continuing on. <laughs> but how did we do it? How did he do yeah, it? Yeah, it was just he was just kind of like, and now Argo and Jackal, pretty much. Yeah. So off mic, it's possible that there was a scene there that they decided didn't work and cut. That's it. true too. Hmm. There is always that magic happening behind the scenes. So who knows? Maybe we'll magically cut all of this. <laughs> and voila! Now we sound coherent. We are now with Argo, who's on his way to see Jackal, and. Uh, report in on what he found out <laughs> which is almost 100 percent the information that he provides 100 percent about the freaking hot mint gum <laughs> <laughs> and the idea that he's very excited and feels very proud of himself for oh, getting this deep he got deep this info. get mm. he's so proud and you guys it's so cute. My notes are all caps, ah, OMG. And then he's jealous of Fitz and Fearball, mm-hmm. girls, please. So even that does make me like, is it because of just what happened at breakfast? Like, did he see mm. Fitz making eyes at the Fearball and go, wait, what is this little back and forth? Or is it because just of other things so that have that's happened? That's what I was trying well, to recall. Like, did they have a lot of Fitz and Fearball moments in the past? Can we have a slow montage, please? Well, I mean... He is a he is a rogue. So I kind of think I, I I also concur that in in my mind palace I was like oh well he saw he saw this moment go down where they exchanged this look that he was tuned in enough to see that happen yes. but he didn't know what it was about yeah. and that he may have concluded something different than than uh than what he should have like I think sometimes in a friend group like if you're the one who's doing the distancing the yeah. way that he kind of is like he's got a big secret. And then I think it makes you 
more paranoid that there's something because you know there's this big thing between you and you uh-huh. think there's something else now like to make oh. it someone else's responsibility that's exactly it yeah and if that's the case or even if it isn't whatever the motivation was here for clint to do it mm-hmm. bravo i feel like that yeah. is as much as it is just kind of a goofy little maybe one-time moment i feel like it added something to argo that you could read into yeah i mean and i think it makes sense um in terms of what you do with a story and what you do with these characters to allow them to have moments where they're they're not acting together yeah you know like that they're they're not they're not in agreement and that there there is this divide between them or or something between them secrets between them um yeah i think that's very dramatically interesting like i know that's something that a lot of fans get very frustrated by because like oh these people should just talk to each other but that's not actually what anybody does in real life yeah it's not realistic especially with this thing that he's dealing with particularly mm-hmm. yeah which they get into more right here talking about you know this even now discussing the information that argo got on fitzroy and he he lays it down too to be like yeah. hey hold up is he gonna get hurt and i like yeah. that he has to kind of now deal with the fact and face the fact that you know fitzroy took care of him when he needed him to and put himself second to argo mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. he has sort of this whether he did or not before, and how we don't know how much he felt good about going along with whatever the, what are they called, the, the unbroken chain, wanted mm-hmm. him to find out. Now there is something here that he's like, hey, I if this is going to start being bad for him, I yeah. that threat of you might have a broken chain, I was Ooh. like, girl, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I'm here for. Put that up on the shipping board. Okay. Flip <laughs> that board around. That was very good. Especially because it's not just that he's saying this. He's saying this right after Jackal drops this more or less bombshell. Like he, They know that, that, um, that Fitz's magic is really unpredictable. Right? right. But now we know why the Unbroken Chain is, is interested in him. And it's because the magic that he has, they have never seen something like that yeah. from a person before. And in fact, the only place they have seen it is this incredibly mysterious magic that's bleeding out of the Godscar chasm. Right, which mm-hmm. of course, again, what a name. Yeah. From an unknown source. Yeah. So something very strange is going on and whatever this magic is that that Fitz has, it's not just unpredictable. It's, you know, like unknowable at this point. This is not something like, you know, because I think is 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 there's they're relatively young people mm-hmm. and they're at this school and I think they have this impression of like, oh, okay, we don't know how to handle this, but of course somebody else does. The people in power will, but the people in power don't know either. Right. Right. Now that we know that this is something completely new. Mm-hmm. But he's still willing to throw down for Fitz and say, I will still walk away from you knowing that you uh, at least may not be pow- more powerful than he is necessarily, but you certainly are a huge or powerful organization, an old organization that yeah. you probably don't want to cross. And he's like, no, I'm still going to pick my friend over you. Uh-huh. Romantic. I said, this adds some wind to Nell's sails. My <laughs> ships are just gliding along. This is a great episode. <laughs> you didn't even have to row at all. I didn't. I'm just I'm just enjoying the vista from up here. It's great. Come sail with me, everybody. It's beautiful. <laughs> and you start playing in the background. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll I'll put it in there. Beautiful. And I will say the Argo ends the whole thing with he'll keep quote unquote working his magic. And it just took me back to his little magic show. 
at mm. the party where he was doing a sleight of hand and everyone was so impressed. So, so impressed. I don't know. Maybe that's going to come back. Fingers crossed. I'm defo hoping for more magic from Argo. That is for sure. <laughs> it's like always hoping for skeletons, also always hoping for a little, little show of magic oh, from our boy. Just, you know. There could be a plot point that pivots on that for sure. I'm waiting for Ooh, it. Yeah. Certainly is a distraction. I hope so. Well, now we get the most riveting lock picking action. They do. <laughs> Good God. They do practice some lock picking. But Clint does get some really good roguing oh one of first little joke. <laughs> yes, he, he. Oh God! <laughs> and he does the dad. That's what I was excited about. But yeah, he gets he some, gets several some... dad jokes in there. I was proud of him. <laughs> proud of him at every angle. He's working it. Clint, love you. Love ya. What a gift. <laughs> and Argo does through his successful lock picking uh, obtain the ever warm cookie of whatever Justin said. <laughs> I didn't hear the last word. <laughs> I listened to it like four times trying to make out what he was saying. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I couldn't hear it either. I, I think also I just started thinking about cookies, which mm. I feel like Justin would approve of. Yeah. Then you just I think feel that like was he's a man who can appreciate a cookie. <laughs> well, the fact that he puts it in his, in his inventory rather than eating it like that. Exactly. Right that I was like, God, Clint, I, lo- I just, I want to play D&D with you so bad. <laughs> I want to go drink with that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I want now this cookie to show up again later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of everything we need to keep tabs on, someone needs to keep tabs on everything that's in Argo's inventory at this point. For because sure. this boy Just... is a hoarder, and it is all going to come to play, and I'm so excited. You know this is going to be a Chekhov's cookie. <laughs> They've established this cookie. It must come back at the end. It has to. It has well, and I want it to be like, if anybody's played Undertale, no spoilers if you haven't, um, but there are certain items you can get, and they tend to be food items that then mm. later on in the game, if you still have them with you and somebody sees it, it kind of changes the course mm. of instances a little bit. So maybe this cookie could be an item like that. <laughs> Pull it out at the right time, Argo, and who knows what will happen. You never know. I do want to say that for a second at the beginning of this this part of the scene, uh-huh. I, when he rolled, I was like, how do you fail at lockpicking so badly that you hurt yourself? And I was, oh, a booby trap. And yeah. I do, I will freely confess in this recorded medium that I have only played Dungeons and Dragons proper once, and it was mm. a very long time ago. And I did play as a rogue, and I did die on my first day. <laughs> Uh, because I did not check for traps. first day at rogue school. Yeah, although I, so, I would point out my DM was not as gracious uh, <laughs> as Travis. I think make he a didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't really want to teach us the rules. Was the was part of the issue, uh, and didn't yeah. really want to. He kind of was a learn through experience Pain. person, oh. so he did kill the whole party in our first well, day. That just our first like bad DM. I was gonna say, I don't think yeah. that's your fault at that. It point. was. It wasn't so much that I didn't check for traps. It was that I didn't check to make sure that the stairs were there. And then they okay. weren't. And then, as I recall, there was also a dragon involved. On uh, your so first outing? On our first, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a I mean, it was, DM it right was there. really just, it was kind of punishment for being offered a door mm. as a rogue and not immediately saying, and then I check for traps. Mm. But in my defense, that was not something that I, I was really, I, this was my first day at you didn't read the whole page. Yeah. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing well, or how to, that was my you? first time ever uh, doing a tabletop. Oh. Game. And then she never played again, you guys. She, I did. Never I did. Touched touched her I, play, I played and again with never, the same DM. And she never played again. <laughs> she never touched a die again in her life. 
I have not played a rogue she again. And even I have not played Dungeons and Dragons again. Podcast. <laughs> Look what you've done. God. The name Gary Gygax is banished from the current household. <laughs> Don't you speak of him. No, I, I have to have a redemption arc at some point. I think if, yeah. I, if I play Dungeons and Dragons again, instead of listening to other people play and playing other games, I'm going to From the to... ashes she grew. <laughs> don't have the character sheet anymore, I don't think, but... Uh... That's okay. If you... Never mind. I was going to go into a into a, a product placement for the, the one you can't probably even get anymore from Topatico. So I won't do it. I won't I won't plug a, an item that isn't even there. How dare I you? I thought you were going to say, if you had Roll20, you wouldn't have to keep your character ah, sheet. <laughs> I'm not experienced enough with Roll20 to know that. So that would still it is be true. product you placement. A, you can, yeah, you can have a virtual one. Please pay us Roll20. <laughs> you don't have to pay us. But also give us money. But it would be nice, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so did you have like a That's So Raven moment when he messed up the lockpick and got hurt and you were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I figured when I did die in the campaign, I figured out, oh, always check for traps. Um, mm-hmm. And now I even in real life. I No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I am very good at escape rooms. Uh, so oh, yeah, that's what we need to do. Let's escape let's put rooms. that on the to do board. A, a lock, what an are we escape doing? room, an oh, escape okay. room. Yes, agreed. And now we uh, escape with Fitz. He's on his way to the artificy classroom because he's he's like, I'm gonna have to shield myself from this mind fuckery that's happening mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. in this place. But wait, first of all, uh, who's that Sle- sleeping what? under that tree? Waking up s- under that tree? What's that? A sweet little slumber. Mm-hmm. It's a little Fearbog. I want Fearbog to wake up, and Fitz is just crouched next to him, like, "Hey, good morning. What's up? What's this? <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, hey, bud. Have a good little nap now. You feeling better?" <laughs> Do you need a snack? And unfortunately, no, he's not. He's feeling bad. He doesn't even know how he got here. Uh, Poor Fearbulk. He's such a straight shooter. And he's not, you know, espionage and lying. And none of this stuff is his jam. And and it seems like he's the exact kind of person who, in the face of memory loss, especially apparently related to somebody he trusts, like... Wow, that's a that's a big one for him in particular. I would think that he would of all of the of the three of them would be the least equipped to know how to respond to it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel bad for him. I know he's fictional, but I still feel bad. Listen, I just read a thing that was like you still even fictional characters, we are capable of having legit emotions for them as if they were real people. Mm-hmm. So regardless, all that's just mm-hmm. to say Listen, my heart beat like are valid. three times during this in this episode, so <laughs> these characters can make you feel things. But yeah, I'm with you. Of all of them, he's the most forthcoming yeah. and the most... He's very innocent, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's very vulnerable in that he just tells him straight up, like, I don't know yes. how I got here. I don't know how long I've been mm-hmm. here. Yeah, it's good that he can finally confide in Fitz and that now both yeah. of these two are on the same level in understanding there is for sure something weird happening at this school. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing it from two different spaces, which is even better because now they have two different angles that they can come from. Right. And then we get the best, best scene where Fitz thinks they're on the same wavelength and is tapping his nose. <laughs> <laughs> the little sounds he makes. <laughs> 
This would be such a good animation too. Agreed. There's been a lot of stuff in this arc, I I, and I, I think that that's a credit to them as players and as actors that they yeah. they've gotten to this point. And not like they didn't, they weren't doing that even in balance instinctively. But I think they're very, they're more aware of that now, of like being able to convey these visuals yeah. through the audio form, even yeah. even when they're not like they don't have to necessarily even describe what's happening, but just from the tone of their voices, we can like pick it up from their performance, and you get this really strong vibe for what's happening visually, and it makes it even funnier Mm -hmm. absolutely yes they would all make great scenes but this one for sure (laughs) a lot of sly looks from fitz looking over at his dear fear bulk and uh p.s quick sidebar um in my head canon after argo's sweet little freak out he had regarding fitz and the fear bulk if he were somehow to be made aware of this and the 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 sneaking around in the like this scene mm, oh he would just be so like oh my god there they go again Hanging out without me. Oh, making plans without me. Oh, Neller, we'll get to that later. Exactly that. We will meet up later. Mm-hmm. First, listen. Don't worry, Fearbulg. He's got a plan. He's got to go to the Artificer mm-hmm. to try to make it happen. Fearbulg, you go find a place for us to have a you clandestine go, meeting in the woods. Maybe grab a bucket of chicken. Find a place in the woods. <laughs> we're gonna hang out. I have a very important question about the Artificer yeah. Crabtree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think her first name is Evelyn? <laughs> Knowing Trav, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> Wait, why? Uh-oh. Well, try reversing it. Imagine that she had a, her name is Crabtree and she had a friend who was named Evelyn. And then they would be Crabtree and Evelyn. Is this a brand that I... It is. Never okay. mind. <laughs> yeah, they make uh, like soaps and lotions and stuff. Mm. Yeah, they, they have gotcha. them, I think, in, in hotels, the little tiny, tiny shampoos, yeah. which is a very artificer thing. I would say yeah. tiny shampoos. So that's going on defo in the like in the in the back of this classroom, just creating your <laughs> that's, magical. That's her side hustle. Mm-hmm. That's how they you make, don't some make of the a money. lot as a teacher, you guys. That's true. Yeah. I think everyone needs to recognize and understand this, especially now if you got students coming in asking for free classes. Ugh. Ugh. She was very kind about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the level that he's asking for mm. uh-huh. it's like baby you're in year one we we don't even we don't even mess around with you and now you want to go up to like a level what four Eight. or five what is this game i mean he's he's young and ambitious <laughs> and he's a main character so i guess we'll work with him <laughs> he's got a great cloak sometimes Ooh, I bet that would have helped, yeah, charm his way into being like, all right, I guess I'll help this boy. He needs to remember to grab that before he's going to, you know. Yeah, I wonder, like, <laughs> if he's just on campus, he would think he would be able to wear it around, but. How do you know, know he's not wearing it around? I guess that's true. They've never mm. said he, he gave it back after the party, mm. so. He mentioned say? it. He mentioned it in this episode, for sure. He mentioned the clothes. Did he? He, me- he mentions it later. Yeah, when they are in the forest. He does. Oh, thank God. Oh. Okay. Then so you at know least what? when he went out, when he goes out, he definitely takes the Okay. There, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, he says, yeah. He does say he pulls his cloak around him. I didn't assume it was that cloak. one. Exactly. <laughs> I just assumed it was that it was always that one. Because Anne he is loves always it so. picking always that classy bling. all the time. Gotta. Fair. Okay, he's he's got. It I'm on. on board. He he might have it in the school. I don't know. I don't know if you want to be the kid who's like wearing. You know, like there was always that one kid who was wearing their puffer jacket around or whatever. Oh my goodness! Like, all the time. I went like, to high school my North with a girl <laughs> who literally wore all Tommy Hilfiger all the time every day, and I was just like, "Whoa!" How? Her name was Amanda Hilfiger. She oh. that was all she had. <laughs> it was all she was allowed to wear. It's all her father would allow her. <laughs> Are you trying to step out in some 
I don't know another brand off the top of my head right now. Evelyn <laughs> and Crabtree. <laughs> you go upstairs and change right now. Get those stripes on. That's classic Tommy. <laughs> but either way, there's there's no way that there's no cloak nice enough that will give you enough charm that you can get really Ew. expensive materials for free oh, on no. top of your elective. In, yeah. You know, I mean, she wants to eat a sandwich or whatever. Ugh. You know, she doesn't want to have some kid in there. Come on, Fitz. Ugh. So, okay, so very specifically, though, and I feel like mm-hmm. we need to cover this. This needs yeah. to get up on the murder board. Absolutely. He wants to make essentially a crown, a diadem, mm-hmm. gorgeous, to protect his brain from <laughs> yeah. any mind fuckery, as we've been talking about yeah. this whole episode. Like, and duly noted, it has been on on the mind. He's seen it happen twice. Once to someone he cares about a lot and someone who he is a good friend to mm-hmm. and someone who he assumes is just gone. And right. it's it's a very spooky situation. Yeah, because yeah. then if that's the course that happened with Leon, right, is that now in Fitz's mind? Like, is the fear bull going to disappear? Like, at this point, he woke up under a tree. Yeah. Is the next time he he's going to wake up somewhere else and I'm not going to know where that is? Right. That's scary. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. doesn't know what's going on with Argo. Exactly. He doesn't. I do enjoy that for some reason, every item that Fitz needs makes him increasingly fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because it could have been a bracelet or I mean, I guess they kind of did that in balance. So maybe they wanted to steer away from that. But Mm, a necklace, it could have been a lot of things. But the idea of it being this jewel encrusted diadem. Oh, he is going to just glitter and gleam while he is protecting his sweet mind. (laughs) It's good, though, because, you know, he's going to have to pull it off as a fashion statement so that people oh, don't get suspicious. That's, so if you could imagine, yeah. like, the fear bulb trying to rock this thing, people would mm. people would probably be a little confused and suspicious. I, I think they're going to have to do it, though, and I can't wait yeah, until they may the reveal. I will say, I think of anybody, obviously, obviously... Fitzroy will do it. Like, no one will even bat mm-hmm. an eye at him mm-hmm. wearing this. If the fur bulk does it, it's almost like if the toughest kid in school is suddenly wearing yeah. uh, a, a puka shell necklace, <laughs> suddenly that becomes a cool That's thing. level three artificing, mm. for sure. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. They might not question it because they just don't want to have that conversation with him. You He's just a can't question. Yeah. <laughs> or you might just assume, and this might be a thing that they can actually end up doing once we can get Argo in with us. If all three of them are rocking it, is it like, oh, that's mm. just what the Thunderman and his that's, It's the hench- Thunderman costume. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or this is going to be the the fashion statement that everyone's trying to live up to that ripples mm-hmm. through the school. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to make it with like tin foil and hot oh. glue. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just love the like worrying noises from me over there. <laughs> I just I picture it. You guys, I I deal with children. I know. <laughs> That's the punk rock diadem. You do your best. You do what you can. So here's my thought. Because we uh-huh. do know that he now needs the permission from the Hagen wait, what are their names? I never get their names. Wigan right. staff. Wait. Yeah, from all Wigan staffs. staffs in here. No, I'm one of the Wigan staffs. Yeah. You, you combined their first and last names together. <laughs> okay, listen. So he needs their signatures. Um, do you think? I guess my question here was: Do you think this was this will go wrong? I guess the better question is: How 
wrong do you think this is going to go? Yeah, I mean, um. it, the, the the question here is how could it go right? And I think there's yeah. there's really not a good option there because they don't know. They've got 50-50 odds, technically, of picking the good one, the good brother versus the if bad. there is a good if one. A good but one. they, yeah, and it may be neither of them. Right. Ooh. It was interesting, Trav bringing up Mimi, being able to mm-hmm. artifice as well. And mm-hmm. I appreciate Griff standing by that, like, yeah, he Fitz wouldn't. is not on that page. He would not right. remember that. I like that or... he both wouldn't remember and yeah. wouldn't want to put a student in that. That's mm-hmm. that's and that's kind of what I like to think of for it, like in my own head canon. I feel like that would make more sense because mm-hmm. you know if you figure these people do have regular classes together, then he probably actually does know Mimi fairly right. well. Yeah. That he's right. actually aware of her talents, but he's like, I'm not one. I don't know who I can trust. Two, right? She is still but a student, and I'm asking yeah. for something very, very uh, particular. Yeah, right. I mean, aside from the brain explodey potential, yeah, mm-hmm. it does seem like you know. He he will not settle for less than the best. Oh yeah, he is a luxury. In his boy. very Absolutely. specific words, I'm gonna fuck with the best. I'm here for it. Because he learned how to curse. So proud of you, Fitzroy. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> learned so much from those imps. Uh, now go find your boy in the forest. Oh, we got our boy just tromping around in the forest, checking out trees. Yeah. This one, that one, and I like. I like the way Travis describes that when you go into the unknown forest, it is like you're going into a world unto itself. Mm -hmm. And his explanation was like going underwater. And I'd never really thought about that. I love the fact that, yeah, when you go underwater, everything change, all your senses change. You are lighter. You can't see as well. You can't hear as well. Like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. I am literally in another world at that point. I'm never going to look at swimming the same way. (laughs) Thank you, Travis. It it made it very like the description was very visceral in a really powerful way. I thought Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a, a that was a really good analogy to use to try to describe like what is what is this sensation like yeah why is this place so different than just walking into some you know a, yeah. a, a small bunch a, of trees a sylvan glen if you will yeah yeah exactly yeah and i, I liked the segue of you know the, the fear bulk is not comfortable in this environment still like it's it's something there's something different and something wrong yeah. here there's mm-hmm. something like there's forest. something yeah but then but then it's even more pronounced with Fitz when he comes in because he has you know Travis immediately tells him that he has this feeling of like you don't belong here yeah you feel you feel that that sensation of like not being wanted in a place which is like you know that that kind of creepy feeling everybody's gotten that somewhere right at some just point like, oh I I should not be here yeah yeah Me either for my own club. safety <laughs> exactly that and you just know, oh, I got to get out. Somebody's going to yeah. come get me. <laughs> Someone's going to know, oh, mm, ma'am, would you please leave? <laughs> yes. He's just waiting to be thrown out. Well, and of course, it is just him because he confirms that he's not going to loop in Argo because mm. he doesn't He doesn't know yet. He doesn't know where he stands yet, which mm-hmm. I think is very wise. And I think it's also interesting because, again, you cannot stop me. My ships are sailing. But um, I think it's... <laughs> Also, it like reaffirms <laughs> that there's this possibility for whatever rift might like it might be a little tiny crack right now, but this is a possibility for a rift to definitively start forming between yeah. the two the two groups here. 
Mm-hmm. That, that's the thing about secrets is eventually they come uh-huh. out. So I'm hoping, one part of me is hoping that it can be a, like quickly getting him on board. But another part mm. of me is like, what an interesting story, though. If we have Get to that keep that angst, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Keep working without the other's knowledge of what we're doing just because right. we don't quite know. Angst with a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> Slow burn, angst, happy ending. (laughs) 150K. (laughs) But so this is where, though, uh, we can finally have these two boys at least be open with each other and Mm -hmm. talk about what's been going on. Mm -hmm. So the fur book opens up about not being in control. Yeah. It is sweetly vulnerable. Again, Mm. he has been reading Brene Brown all summer. And knows that if you're going to get anywhere, you got to open up. you got to let yourself be seen. And Fitz Mm -hmm. sees him, which is amazing that he says, like, I trust you. Uh, I just don't trust what's happening to you. And I was just like, What a great line. Oh, so good. And I really liked Fearbulk's line where he said, you are my CEO. (laughs) Like, that's the closest the bond we can have, at least for me. Which to me, again, because I'm shipping and you can't stop me. uh, It's almost a little bit like... That's what he knows now. Like, to him, in the terms he's yeah. now learned over the course exactly. of this first semester, this is the closest. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't close to the people in his tribe, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now he's I got mean, these I think people. He, I think he was. But I think he was close. You know, there's like, there's the kind of, I think I think that people have this experience pretty often growing up. That you have these bonds that you're really close with your family at first Mm -hmm. because they're kind of like these built in bonds. But the ones that you choose often wind up being even deeper than that. Sure. Yeah. Because they're optional. Like they're not they're Mm -hmm. not the sort of like default of this is the community that I'm in. And I think he's having a really exaggerated version of that experience because these these his clan was his whole world. But then that bond was completely severed. So it makes sense that he's. He's he was prepared to deeply bond with people, um, but I think it's even maybe deeper than it had been. But he's he's also like imposing the language that he's been learning, you know, yeah, from this right. new community of oh, I have to see this in economic terms. I have to describe right. you as a CEO mm-hmm. instead of you know sort of the leader of the clan, which I think yeah. is how he sees fit. Yeah. I I agree with that. I think it's a little bit of both though. In that when back an episode when he said his mother was just like anybody else, mm, that was kind true. of where I was drawing it from. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but like I'm sure he cared for them. Like they all cared for each other. But it almost seems like the impression I'm getting, especially from this line, which of course does sound goofy on the surface level when you have him <laughs> saying, "You're my CEO." I, you know, I I feel so bonded to you. <laughs> but again, then when you can take it in his terms, I think that that is a really brilliant way that Justin played it. If he mm-hmm. meant it that way, to me, that was the fear of trying to convey to Fitzroy how much he means to him yeah. in a way that he, like you said, Anne, in a way that now he knows how with these these terms mm-hmm. that he's learned in a way that he didn't have before with his right. plan, it sounds like. Yeah, we're all right. We're all absolutely correct. So they're having this really vulnerable moment, and it just kind of continues with that as Fitz says that he's going to search him for magic. Mm-hmm. And he does, and he finds it. And right. what's kind of even worse or better, I don't even know, is that we know it's the same kind of magic that was put on Buck, and yeah. to some degree, the same person that put it on Buck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's your if problem. I, if well, I heard that right, yeah. Yeah, I really loved this play of Fitz's of trying to fight a charm with a charm. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that was very clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked, Um, I thought Travis's, this is his second, like, really insightful, kind of powerful visual imagery of, of this idea of your, okay, how do we describe, you know, because he could have just said, well, you're trying to cast this charm person, but you also have this sense that someone has done it before and could have left mm-hmm. it at that. But I really liked what he was saying about this record and yeah. you put the needle down and that it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound yeah. right that you can tell that something's been damaged or tampered with. Yeah. Some really good metaphors in this one. Uh-huh. I remember listening to that the first time and thinking, like, I can see that so clearly because our mother had a record player uh-huh. that we would play with all the mm-hmm. time. And then I was thinking, oh, Lord, his listening base I think it's Some a lot younger. <laughs> Although vinyl, hey, vinyl has made a huge comeback. That so there's a lot of fair. younger. There are people significantly younger than me who have right. bought record players recently. So, so this is our poll: who has oh, put yeah. a record on a needle? <laughs> it's coming. It's no coming jokes. back around again. I'm just curious. <laughs> but I think I I like um I like that Travis has leaned fairly hard into these really kind of physical concepts of how the magic works, because I, I think it really, you know, because the, the spells in D&D, like I'm not critical of the way that magic works because it's a game and they have to have it a way that it works. But that means that there's not a lot of justification of why it works or how it works. It just kind of, yeah. you know, it's, it's determined by the dice. So having someone who's, who's thinking about, um, you know, this other aspect of how a magic system functions of like, what does it feel like when you cast a spell? Um, yeah. I, I thought that was really, I think it really helps the story and it helps us understand the idea that there are these sort of opposing forces at work. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. no, it adds some flavor for sure. Mm-hmm. And just makes us even more wary. And at least now there's a plan and we have these two who are on the same page and there is this plan to try to get these artifice goods. We need, we need some Siggies, mm-hmm. <laughs> but hopefully <laughs> we'll figure out uh, a way around that. Mm. Quick sidebar, proud of him for not just forging that signature because, yeah, oh boy, yeah, that, that definitely super oh bad. Boy. He would have, he would have, you know, turned everyone nearby into rats or something. Like, yeah. Tried to cast a spell like that. Yeah. Well, now I'm so surprised he didn't jump right into the fact that he is saying, well, of all the people we cohabitate with, which I thought was an adorable way. Oh, we were getting there. Yeah. Like our little team. Heck yeah. They're like, there's one person mm-hmm. who would be perfect for either of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I just don't know how much I can trust them. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh my the- God, this is so anime. It's right now. so anime. Me? I'm like dancing around on my ship, coming up with a song. <laughs> Playing your flute. <laughs> there's definitely panpipes happening. That's That's where this whole scene really, and even just like the connection to all three of these characters is so good. Because right before this, we have Fitz. This is where Fitz tells the fear bulk he trusts him with his life. He just mm-hmm. doesn't trust what's happening. Mm. And on that same branch, he's saying he can't do that with Argo. But also specifically says he doesn't know how to get there. And that's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's yeah. where mm-hmm. it shows he wants to. He's just not sure how. Yeah. Ugh. But the the decision right now is to not tell Argo. And this is where <sighs> the fear bulk says, truth is the honor of the tribe. Mm-hmm. And I have in all caps. There's no trust, but Argo <laughs> trust fits and is protecting him. Oh, the angst. <laughs> uh, there's there's a desire for trust, at least. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's seen him sneak out of that room too many times. Argo, mm-hmm. you can only say you're sneaking off for a bit of hooch so often before <laughs> we know that you're making it up. 
You never come back with Argo, any you never Argo. come back even kind of buzzed. I'm finding it very hard to believe you. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Argo, let's go uh, back to our room. Oh, this is where I was <laughs> saying, oh, we'll get to that later, where... Now, we, I assume Argo is giving them a look oh, as, as those two come waltzing in together. Right. And he, <laughs> he is just, oh, I can't wait for next time. <laughs> well, because, yeah, they're on their way back. Uh, floor, gra- downstairs, mm-hmm. Gary? Downstairs, Gary. Tell them that they have Gary? to go to the battleground tomorrow <laughs> to get some training because two of them almost died. Uh, and that's where Fitz and Argo do at least look at each other like, oh, yeah, that was us. <laughs> <laughs> And don't worry, you guys. Good news. Skeletons will probably be there. Well, good news or bad news, depending on how you feel about skeletons. How, that's wow. true. Good news for me. <laughs> and possibly only me. Skeletons will be there. Probably. Maybe. We'll see. Nell and Rainier are so excited. So skeletons excited. Abound. <laughs> so we have to prepare for tomorrow. Let's go up to our room. And this is where two important things happen. One... The joke from the very beginning of the episode comes full circle. <laughs> I like to imagine it as they're like on their way up the stairs. And of course, all of a sudden, Argo starts just busting a gut laughing. He repeats it. All of a sudden, now Fearbug's laughing. Fitz is laughing. The three of them, oh, it's like there's no oh. riffs even beginning to form. <laughs> right. oh, they've they're got their arms the around best each of other. Friends. Giggling, just falling into the room. True and wait a minute, guffaws. there's somebody in our room. <gasps> She checked for traps. She did for sure. <laughs> she definitely mm-hmm. broke in. Or they left the door slightly ajar because one of them wasn't paying attention. Yeah, that's certainly possible. But there's <laughs> I... some, they've been trying to teach the fear bulk about the concept of locks, and he's like, uh, I mean. <laughs> all right, I totally see it as Argo like setting traps on all the locks, uh-huh. and then Fearbulg just not even closing the door, <laughs> just leaving it slightly ajar. He's like, I mean, what if a small skeleton has to come deliver us? I don't know a note from our right. friend right here. You don't want them to shove it under the door. They come in. Let them come in. Put it on the table. I'll leave a berry. Maybe next to Althea, there is one small letter. And he's like, oh, that's why I left the door open. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> we're going to have to talk to this lady next time. Oh. What are we? What's she going to be about? Mm. Mm. The plot thickens. Mm. Mm. All of us tapping our noses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there oh. anything we forgot to mention that we would like to bring up now? Uh. I just wanted to mention that the Furbolg is like me after a long night of drinking with only gaps and pieces, grabbing mm. for things mm. for reasons unknown, Leaving and then doors you're not sure where jar. they go to. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving doors open, waking up under trees. Just saying, <laughs> I, I feel a kinship right there. That's fair. Fitz and I are going to go make fabulous crowns. I feel a kinship there. <laughs> and what's your kinship to Argo? Uh... Uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> Have you pricked your finger on any trap? You lately? did I, get killed by a trap. I do. I did, and I do stab myself in the finger with needles pretty That's frequently. True. So, I mean, it's not really a booby trap situation. It's more just me being an idiot. But you know, it happens. <laughs> you guys, I think they're watching us. I think they might be. Oh, one other thing. I did think it was neat that uh, Rainier's dad is a lich. And we got oh, to uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We learn a little bit more about that, him. Yeah. About Fearbulk's <laughs> dear friend. Oh, 
<laughs> I laughed so hard at the thought Justin. that Justin was gonna like build this backstory <laughs> out of nothing. It's like go, go, go. Uh, Who amongst us has not pretended to know someone's dad? I mean, oh, you oh have my to. Gosh. It's a common occurrence. Oh, Ted, of course. Saw him on the green. <laughs> All right, then. I think that brings us to our poll. So, girls, last time. No. <laughs> last time we asked our dear listeners to tell us what's good. And it turns out the answer is buddies by like a lot. 70% of the votes went I'm, for buddies. I'm very glad. I think yeah, that was a good choice. That's a good answer. No mm. wrong answers, but that was a good choice. <laughs> totally agree. Thanks for voting, good buddies. All right, now it's time. Roll for crepes. We'll have that pull up over on our Twitter at Romancing Zone. We will see you for battleground training in two weeks. Till then, take care of yourselves and thanks for joining us. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Mm-hmm.